Welcome to Machine Learning. Uh, I want to talk about DeepGram. So DeepGram is a company that they take uh, audio streams, video streams, and uh, they convert uh, the uh, the audio signal, the voice, to text, and uh, and then they can index. Uh, the frames where the different words occur in the media content. So, for example, if you're using uh, uh, YouTube, you could uh, um, you could uh, uh, have it converted to text, and then when you wanted to see every place where maybe Jeff Bez- Bezos uh, talked about artificial intelligence, then uh, you could put in the word. Uh, artificial intelligence and um, you could just jump to different uh, segments in the video where he had made those statements. You know, if more content moves to YouTube, uh, the natural language processing will become more important. So you can take the content of what's being said and uh, convert it into text. And likewise, I think that uh, you know, if you have video where the audio has lots of background noise, um, that uh, you could uh, use some signal processing and filter out the background noise, uh, things like walking on rocks or uh, sounds in the background. Filter those out, and then you're left with uh, just the, what the person is saying. And uh, that, that might be something that the AI could do to improve the quality of the video because there's a lot of video that you get lots of background noise. You hear cars in the background. You hear, uh, oh, uh, whenever I do karate, my karate videos with my students, I'm always amazed when I'm listening to the video how much background noise there is. There's airplanes flying over. There's uh, uh, trucks in the background. There's... Uh, people chopping uh, wood you know uh, chainsaws going off uh, uh, dogs barking you know there's a, there's all kinds of background those there's birds chirping there's birds flying over and making sound uh, and so I you know I'm always amazed at the, the amount of background noise that there is in my videos and right now there's no really good way uh, to, to filter out all that background noise and so you, you have to turn up your volume really loud and endure the, the, uh, endure the, uh, the problems associated with you know, poor quality video. And so you can, if you had a way to take poor quality video and make it really good, uh, clean up the background noise, uh, enhance the coloring, you know, it's really difficult at times to adjust coloring and lighting uh, so that it's good, you know, why not uh, do it automatically? You know, why, why have to spend uh, lots of time to figure out how to do the video editing to adjust the colors the, and the contrast and everything to improve quality? Why not let the uh, AI improve the quality, improve the voice, improve, you know, and then index all the content that's being said? So, you know, these are uh, things that uh, I think that could be really valuable. 
And one thing that I also was impressed with DeepGram that uh, it could do <clears throat> was, uh, so it was taking uh, you know these full media content uh, movies, and uh, uh, and then you know they were all in these uh, MP3 format f formats, the segmentation, and uh, then it was capable of uh, of. Uh, taking them and putting them into multiple streams and so uh, they were running on a, a NVIDIA GPU on the cloud and uh, using like looked like uh, possibly maybe C I'm not sure what the language was they had a simple interface and uh, and they were using uh, CUDA and CUDA they when I was listening to the CTO or CEO talk about uh, DeepGram he was saying that uh, that uh, that was revolutionary because you know up to this point you know the biggest computational power you had was the hard iron the mainframes and uh, and then when you uh, you were able to put the um, uh, when you're able to put the uh, uh, GPU in you know on the cloud then you're able to get these uh, uh, levels of performance that uh, were exponential. And even with one GPU, they had like, uh, I think it was 300 streams that were running. It was some phenomenal number. And uh, 300 concurrent streams and they were processing, uh, you know, within milliseconds, uh, each one of the streams. So very fast processing and uh and uh, lots of uh content that was able to be flowed through and so the era of of large scale gpu processing is definitely here and uh and uh so it looks like that the deep ground found a market there and i, I think with the increased usage of uh media content every day uh there's going to be companies that provide this service for uh companies like uh uh, corporations that um, um, are going to want to take the content that they are doing with uh, either an advertising or or <clears throat> things that are being talked and then move that through this uh, stream analyzer either in real time uh, to get a you know a text transcript of while they're talking or to um, make uh, the content searchable and this is something that I've been uh, thinking about for for quite a while now another thing that I, I think that would be real interesting is uh, zoo X you know we've talked about the zoo X and uh, one idea that I, I was thinking about is you buy a series of uh, zoo X uh, fleet and then uh, basically as an owner you let the automation do the work you know that's the whole point of automation is that it can do the work so um, in this case uh, let's say you build it on the limousine model where uh, when someone wants the limousine it's there to pick them up it takes them to the destination uh, it doesn't necessarily have to wait on site if it's requested to the if the vehicle is requested to be on site uh, then it should be on site. Uh, so th there can be schedule availability when they want the, to have the uh, Zoo X uh, vehicle there. So then you have 
the Zoo X returning back to pod and uh, and it can be running different routes but it must be like a real-time scheduler that at the appointed time that it needs to be at its destination that it arrives at the destination uh, it, it probably needs to be cleaned you know like uh, you know it has to have smoke detectors make sure people don't smoke but it also uh, should have uh, maybe a ability to uh, have some self-cleaning uh, where it could it could make sure that uh, when it, it it's at the uh, designated place to, for pickup that it's there and it arrives and uh, the passenger gets in and goes home. So what I was thinking is that it would work like a subscription-based uh, service that you pay, let's say you pay $300 a month for it to take you to uh, work and to pick you up from work and bring you home. Uh, it's not a carpool, so you're not sharing with other people. Uh, you can have other people in the vehicle if you like, uh, but this is your uh, exclusive time to have the, the, the machine for the, a certain period of time. And so, uh, you know, maintenance of the vehicle, care of the vehicle is done by the vendor so they make sure that the vehicle's uh, waxed and you know looks very pre professional, clean, and uh, maybe during the non while the person's working, the Zoo X can be running shuttles, so it can be delivering people to the airport, taking them to the hotels, uh, making short runs like that, and uh, and. Uh, uh, can be working there but when it's time to for pickup then it's rerouting uh it's rerouting its services away from the airports and the hotels and moving towards uh to pick up uh, uh and so you know th there could be different vehicles that are making sure to be in that designated area in the designated time so that your pickup and delivery is in a predictable time period and in a, a t uh, predictable um, uh, scheduled event. And so I, I like that concept. And then you do, wouldn't have to take ownership of the vehicle, but you would pay, you know, three hundred dollars a month. And then the question is, is uh, you know, could uh, could you sustain a business model and make a profit? Uh, using automated uh, robo-taxi. And it, this isn't just, you know, carpooling or sharing, but this is kind of like a limousine service. You're expect, you're, you expect a certain level of quality and you're guaranteed that level of quality. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the automation just works. It knows where to pick you up, uh, front of the building, side of the building. It knows what time to be available. Uh, maybe it, it, it can't be blocking, you know, uh, space, so it will park in a stall and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, or it'll park in a parking slot and wait for you. And then if you don't arrive on time, like you're late to getting uh, out there, uh, you know, that's okay because it might have a scheduled wait time of up to... You know one hour so just sit there in the parking lot waiting for you just like a limousine driver will wait for you up to one hour and then if it goes beyond that you might have uh, some uh, extenuating circumstances where then uh, 
a longer block will need to be scheduled in and that resource is not available, but maybe there's a surcharge uh, for extended wait time. Uh, and then in the evening, it can be working and, uh, you know, it can uh, be delivering people in the evening. It can be delivering groceries. It can be delivering pizza. Uh, there's lots of different things that uh, it could be doing. Um, again, you know, the, it would be up to the vendor to make sure that the car is maintained, presentable, quality stays good. Um, because you don't want the owner complaining about his experience. So the experience drops because the owner is not uh, maintaining the vehicle, um, then the business model is gonna start to fail. But see, the, the advantage of automation is that you replace the limousine driver and uh, now you're, uh, you're, you're faced with scheduling and you could have AI to help you with the scheduling to figure out uh, make predictions on scheduling, uh, uh, you know, looking at, you know, things like road conditions. You know, there's going to be times where the roads are, are going to be uh, difficult to traverse because of ice and snow. And uh, the AI system will need to, uh, you know, be able to adjust for those road conditions. And perhaps the vendor will need to make sure that he changes uh, the tires to uh, to snow tires in the winter or all, all season tires or something that uh, can accommodate the change in the road conditions. And, and so what uh, that transportation becomes like then in this scenario is it becomes more like um, delivery in a uh, in a manufacturing plant where you're moving, uh, parts down conveyor belts. So you have these autonomous things arriving at different times, uh, products are arriving at different times and different stages, and the different events are occurring, and it's all being done through automation. So, uh, and so the, the, the method in which we transport to business will change. Now, some people are saying, well, maybe the business model be all to work from home and that large corporations will uh, just be really networks of, of uh, thousands of people all working remote. And yes, there is that trend because of COVID for uh, remote work, but the, it, that trend was already beginning to emerge before COVID. It just got amplified in COVID. But as uh, as more automation replaces jobs, like we've, we said before that, that uh, in the next five years, uh, 85 million jobs will be replaced by uh, automation. Uh, we're gonna see more innovation in terms of what uh, businesses will do. There's gonna still need to be strategic meetings, uh, discussions, but a lot of the discussions will be done through networking, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality. Uh, you, you'll have these uh, systems where, you know, telepresence is uh, is possible, but it's going to be in digital form. And so, you know, you're creating things uh, 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 intangibly in the digital world before they become uh, reality. So you can collaborate in group, uh, you can have uh, avatars, or you can have actual uh, holograms that uh, are uh, representing 
your actual movements. So you could be at home, moving around, walking around, talking, making gestures, so forth. And in the augmented virtual reality world, um, it will seem as if you're there in the in the conference room. And so, you know, you could have t uh, people talking. I I, I do uh, a lot of webinars. The problem is, is you can't see everyone what their expressions are at one time. You have to, you know, channel through each uh, each one of the pages to see what people are are you know doing. But if you had uh, augmented reality, it could uh, put it all in uh, in your three dimensional space. You could see every all maybe there's 30 people there. You could see all 30 people sitting. You could watch the whole audience at one time, and. Uh, um, I think that that's where the future of computing and AI is going to be uh, very valuable is that it's going to take more information and condense it into uh, more concise and summarized presentations so that we can understand quicker uh, what's going on. And so you can kind of get a feel for what's going on in the whole group while the presentation is running. And then, you know, there's always going to be the ability to do chats and talk to other people offline. And that's great. And that's what the, the point of networking is, is to make connections, share ideas, and to uh, synthesize those ideas into actions. And so the principles of business still apply, even with technology getting more advanced. Uh, the technology just helps facilitate the collaboration in business. And so it still remains the tool, not the master. And that's a very important aspect to remember as we transform in the next five years is that uh, AI will never be the master. It will always be the tool. And the people uh, are the ones that uh, have the resources. If you take away people, you have no resources, you have no AI. So... Um, uh, you know, that's always been kind of a paradox, right? Because we've always been afraid that AI is going to take over the world. But if AI were to take over the world, uh, it would mean that it would lead to its own annihilation. So that, uh, that in itself is a paradox. But now will uh, AI do more of the physical work in the real world? Yes, because the AI is capable of now doing complex tasks that were... Uh, were limited to uh, human uh, capability, and so it will do mechanized. Just like you know, when we uh, I'll give you an example, when lawnmowers uh, first came out, uh, they didn't have engines. Uh, they they had two wheels, uh, a gear, and uh, and uh, lots of little blades that turned uh, around a cylinder. And they were very effective at cutting the lawn. I, I remember as a kid, my dad, uh, grandfather had one, and I'd push it around the yard, and it cut the grass. And it did really well at cutting the grass. Then you had the rotor, uh, the blade that turned uh, around really fast, much more dangerous, but tied to a uh, uh, a motor, and uh, and then you know that that became. Uh, uh, the, the, the standard it replaced the motor with the, the blade turning all around on the cylinder and today now you have little robots and they use uh, little razors and they cut the grass with really sharp uh, blades very small 
uh, cut radius and uh, uh, but very precise and so they can mow your lawn. So we can see that each generation of lawnmower uh, changed where you know from uh, full manual to automation and uh, and uh, so the structure changes uh, to meet the uh, the automation.